Oh, and did you get to that point where you crawl on your belly through the little opening and you come up and you're in this like magical grotto? Yeah. <laughs> like, not, no. I don't do belly crawling. Not, <laughs> not even to get into a magical grotto? No. <laughs> even a magical one. Mm-hmm. If I'm on my belly, we're going the wrong way. <laughs> This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories of adventures and misadventures in the U.S. national parks and public lands. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Karen Smith. We are the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. Today, we're taking you on our adventure into the fiery furnace, a maze of canyons in Arches National Park, where we thought we might be lost forever. At the end of the show, we'll answer questions from listeners like you in our mailbag segment. But first, Karen and I discuss her dream of being a park ranger, who happens to also be always off-duty. I do think it's odd that your fantasy is that you're a park ranger, but you're you're always off-duty. You're a park ranger, off-duty, but you carry you carry your badge and your ticket book so that you can catch people doing stuff. Uh, Yeah, still my fantasy because everywhere we go in the parks, we see people breaking the rules all the time. Oh, so you're there to enforce the rule. Yes. That's your your contribution to the world. Well, because... Rule enforcer? Yes, because they won't listen to me now. (laughs) (laughs) There might be other reasons why no one's listening to you, but... But continue. It's your fantasy. (laughs) So we were in Lassen National Park on a hike, and we were hiking up this trail. And we could see at the very top of this this trail, a tree was like swinging back and forth. I can tell that you're already... Crazily. I know. I'm already getting worked up about it. And so we were looking at this tree, and there wasn't even any wind. And when we got to the top of the trail, this guy is rocking the tree back and forth, and he pushed it so hard that the tree completely fell over and, you know, roots exposed and everything. And so we stopped and I said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I he laughed at you. He laughed. Oh, he was like, I thought I would have to get between the two of you. And he said, I leaned against the tree and it seemed dead to me and it kind of moved. So I thought I'd save everyone and just push the whole tree over. So if, if you were, <laughs> if this were your fantasy, what would you do? So if this were my fantasy, I would whip out my badge Show it to him. I'd whip out my ticket book. He would be afraid. The badge first. Uh, well, yeah. So okay. he'd know who I was. And then I'd write him a huge ticket. A huge? like, And this would make you feel better? Yes. Well, yeah. And he'd have to pay a lot of money to the park. They could plant a new tree. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And so to finish the story, we told them, have you ever heard of Leave No Trace? And he just laughed. And he his laughed. buddies were laughing. And they could... Just they couldn't have cared yeah. less. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's why I need a badge and I need a ticket book, and then people will have to pay when they break the rules. <laughs> They're gonna have to pay. <laughs> Do they pay you? Do they have to pay you? Um, no, I think the way it works is I write them a ticket, then they have to go to court, and then the court actually does the fining and the sentencing. Oh, it's just like a note. You must appear in 
We'll tell you how much it is later. Right. And they would probably serve some jail time for that, too. What if, okay, in your fantasy, what if they just say, no, just, and they laugh and they just continue. What What would you do in well, your fantasy? Well, in my fantasy, I'm yeah. also a law enforcement ranger, so I'd have to get out my gun. Oh, okay. So let me get this. So they're laughing and then you just, you, you whip the gun out. Like, are well, you, if I you, had to, it would be a last resort. Do you, <laughs> like, a, fire a warning shot, and it, like this is this. There's a, no, way too much no. anger I already. Think but once they saw the gun, they would all fall in line. And oh, would, there would I didn't know you had a weapon, ma'am. Right, and, and like, please give us a ticket, and that they would. Yeah. So the badge isn't enough. It would be the gun. Uh, yeah. It, well, if the badge didn't work, that'd be the first thing. And if the badge didn't work, then then the gun would come out. But um, you have no hope ever of being an employee of the National Park Service. You realize that? Oh, I will. Like I you know. think when you're you're retired and you're going to work in the, the, you won't even get a job as a volunteer. Well, now that might be going a little far. I could, yeah, I could, uh, I will whip this I could recording pull weeds out. Or something. Yeah, with your gun, <laughs> and if somebody pulls the wrong weed, you're gonna. <laughs> but you know how many people we see hiking on trails that say no dogs and they have their dogs or they say dogs must be on a leash and the dogs aren't on a leash. And every single time we politely tell them what the rule is, they just completely blow us off and say, yeah, whatever. You know, we don't care. We're, we're doing it anyway kind of attitude. So I just really feel like if I had a little bit of authority, I could you clean have, things like a up. Yeah, and, and maybe like if the gun's on your hip, you kind of turn – the kind of that side of your hip towards them a little bit and yeah i yeah. see wouldn't you wouldn't she just be proud to be with me <laughs> yeah i don't know about that <laughs> i might um yeah i might be on another trail that day well good luck with your fantasy thank you maybe one of these days it'll come true mm. yep This episode's about a hike, one of our favorite hikes in Arches National Park, the Fiery Furnace. Mm -hmm. And we wrote about this in season one of Dear Bob and Sue. And it also appears in season four of the Dear Bob and Sue series. Right, which will be published sometime in the summer of 2020. We hope. (laughs) So if you're listening... To this podcast in the year 2065. <laughs> go ahead and look go, for it. <laughs> go ahead and look that, that one up. <laughs> yeah, so this hike, which I don't even know if you'd call it a hike. It's more of more of an experience. It's, yeah, it's a hike. It's not, not really a trail. No, it's not a trail. So this part of Arches National Park, Fiery Furnace, is this huge maze-like area. I don't even know how you'd describe it. Well, it's... Rock formations, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of slot canyons kind of all right next to each other. That's mm-hmm. called the Fiery Furnace, not because it's super hot in there, although it certainly can be in the summertime, but because the rocks, especially at sunset, glow a reddish brown and it's just a beautiful sight and it looks like the whole place is on fire. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's a description of, of the how the rock formations look, not because it's hot. But if if you go in the middle of the summer, oh, it, it's going to be warm in there. I'm sure. I'm sure it's very hot. So this particular area of the park 
is not accessible to anyone on their own unless you jump through a couple hoops. So there's two ways to see the fiery furnace. And one is with a ranger-led tour, which they offer, uh, I believe, May through September. And that's the first way that we saw it. Right. We did that years ago. Nowadays, it's gotten so popular, you have to reserve tickets online way ahead of time. I guess they sell out months and months in advance. And those tickets are available on the website www.recreation.gov. And I believe now they're charging $16 for an adult, and I think it's $8 for kids. Although children... That's for the the ranger-led... Yeah, that's for the yeah. ranger-led. And although children um, under five are not permitted to go due to the somewhat difficult... <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not super difficult, but I, I could say you don't, you don't want to take a toddler. In no, definitely not. And you don't, and you don't want to try to have a, a toddler or a baby in a backpack. You, you, oh, no, I don't even think they would let you no, do that. They, no, you, wanna, you don't want to do that. When you look at the Arches National Park website, they talk in pretty good detail about this particular hike. And they tell you, I remember the words, you have to have agility and stamina uh, to get through because there are, well, the ground is really uneven for one and you're walking on slick rock at times and you're walking on sort of cliff edges. And then most interestingly enough, you're there are a lot of like little slot canyon areas where you have to literally sort of climb up on the wall to get through that section. Right. And everything you just said is true, (laughs) but we've done it a couple times and we're not super athletic. We got through it. We went on our ranger led tour. There were quite a few people that were older than us, even in their eighties, they were able to do it, but it was, it was, it was at their limit. Yeah. Yeah. So we lucked out because when we did the ranger-led tour years ago, we didn't know that there were advanced tickets. So we literally showed up at the park one day, asked about tickets, and we were able to get tickets for two days later, and we were still going to be there. So it worked out for us. But we certainly wouldn't recommend doing that because I think that's almost impossible to do now. Right. One of the suggestions we make about all kinds of reservations, especially in the national parks, is there's two ways to go about it. The get the reservation or the tickets as far in advance as you possibly can or get it the day before or the day of because you're catching a cancellation or if it's something that the cancellation is so many days before note that and and call of course trying to catch a cancellation your schedule has to be very flexible so if you didn't get your tickets ahead of time you can also try right there at the very end because people do sure. cancel. Sure. And, and so we've, we have done a lot of things that are hard to mm-hmm. get reservations for and, and done them last minute. Mm-hmm. So when we showed up for the ranger-led hike, they do tell you when you make the reservation that you have to wear sturdy you know, hiking shoes with a good tread on the bottom. You have to bring at least a quart of water and you have to put that in a backpack so that your hands are free. A small backpack. A small backpack to sort of, so your hands are free to climb on the rocks, which you will be doing. So when we showed up, there were, I think there were 25 of us and this very wonderful ranger who also happened to be a botanist. It was nice to see the group was sort of a mix of ages and there were some people from some other countries. So it was kind of an eclectic group. Right. And one note on having your hands free, something that I do, I carry 
pretty lightweight like gardening gloves in my backpack sometimes when you boulder and you have abrasive rocks that you have to grab sometimes it's nice to have gloves although sometimes it's nice to just have barehanded so you have a really firm grip so that's also something some of the people on our hike who had done it before had some had gloves Mm -hmm. with them so that's kind of a personal preference but you do use your hands definitely and you could you know it could be a little bit abrasive if uh Mm -hmm. if that bothers you yeah so we set off on this um, hike with the ranger and and all of the rest of the people, and uh, it it was just fascinating because she apparently knew where she was going. But it did once we got inside this, it did seem like a maze. Definitely, we would wander to one part, and she would stop and talk about the plants and the botany, and then we'd turn around and walk back, and there were. I don't know. It was just, I would not at that point have wanted to be there in in there by myself. No, people have gotten lost on ranger-led tours. Right. They, be, because there's there's these little side canyons. And even though you're with a group, you walk 20 feet down a side canyon while the ranger's talking about something. And then when you walk back out, the group's gone because they turned a corner. And mm-hmm. there's five different corners that they could have possibly gone down. And so it is even with the ranger led tour, you always have to keep somebody else in the group in, in eyesight. Right. And and two things about that. They do tell you once you start the hike with the group and the ranger, there's no turning back and leaving. You can't just say, oh, you know, I don't want to do this anymore and head back to your car because they're worried that you'll get lost. And the other thing they tell you, too, is that GPSs do not work in there because the, I guess the canyon walls are so tall that um, you can't get a signal. Well, right. They will work from time to time, but you can't rely on it. You absolutely mm-hmm. can't rely on it mm-hmm. uh, because it's you're in slot canyons. And sure enough, when you absolutely need it, it's you're not going to get a signal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things were going well until we got to one point and the ranger had stopped us to show us something about a plant. So we all stopped where we were. And I didn't realize it, but I was standing on some tree roots that were running across the trail at that point. And all of a sudden, the ranger stopped talking, and she her head spun around a few times, and she literally yelled at me, get off those tree roots. You're, what did, how'd she put it? You're killing the lifeblood of the tree, or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, she liked plants more than people. Oh, she liked plants yeah. way more than me. I was so embarrassed. Yeah, she made a, she made an example out she of you. She did make an example out of me. So, of course, I, you know, stepped off of the roots, but... Um, I don't think that you can kill a tree by stepping on the roots when they're across a trail. I just, I, I don't think that's possible. No, I don't think it is either. And, spoiler alert... When we went back years later and did this again, guess what? The tree was still there. And it was looking pretty healthy. It's amazing that it lived. (laughs) Well, you should look. You should should respect the plants, but that's taking it a little too far. Yeah. Tree roots across the the trail, that's that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So as we made our way through, some of the ladies required a little assistance getting through some of the tighter spots. So Matt was right there helping them. I became, I don't know how I got designated uh-huh. as the as the hand up guy. At least I was at that end, not the other. Right. I wasn't, I was pulling, not pushing. <laughs> well, explain that part about how we had to, I call it crab walking. I don't even know if that's the correct phrase. I don't know. There's, there's two ways I know of getting through these tight cracks. Either one, you're putting your back on 
one wall and pushing your feet against the other and scooching, or the other is you have a foot on each wall and you're kind of walking across. That's I call that crab walk because sometimes you also have to use your hands. It depends on the angle of the walls, but we we did both of those. And then sometimes the squeeze, and a squeeze is anywhere in a slot canyon where you can touch both walls at the same time. Sometimes the squeeze, you actually have a flat surface to walk on, but you have to turn sideways and... And take your pack off. And yeah. take your pack mm-hmm. off and exhale uh, and squeeze through. But but the squeezes, you know, I people get claustrophobic and they see photos of us going through squeezes and say they could never do that. I'm claustrophobic too. I wouldn't do these things if it made me super nervous. You can always see where you're going. In other words, you can see that this tight spot is two feet or three feet or four feet wide, and you you can tell that you can get through it. So it's not like you are being asked to do things that are just beyond your capability. But it, it's a tight tight fit sometimes. Yeah, I, and you know we loved it because. I don't know. I I felt like a kid again. You know, you're climbing and scrambling and crawling and I I thought it was a blast. I absolutely loved it the whole time. I think it I don't know, that it lasted what, 2 or 3 hours maybe. Yeah. Yeah, on on the Ranger led tour, we went in and came out the same way. Mm-hmm, that's right. And so I I think the Ranger could make the tour as long as she wanted to because we didn't have to do the entire loop. Right. So even with all the warnings of people getting lost in there, uh, you can also hike it on your own if you get a permit from the visitor center. And that's how we did it the second time. Right. We decided we were ready to venture out and try a, it on yeah, our own. Yeah, that was a few years later and mm-hmm. we got, got the permits. Now, mm-hmm. that's uh, that was a little different scenario because when you're going without a ranger, you have to sit through an orientation video. Mm-hmm. And they it kind of explain all the stuff that you need to know, and also talk to you about how to respect the park and how to enjoy it without damaging the you know the the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you cannot reserve permits for the self guided tour ahead of time. You have to get them in person, and everyone in your party has to be there. So up to seven days in advance. Yes, up to seven days in advance. You can show up and get it, and it's for a specific day. So we got to Arches, uh, well, we got to Moab late in the evening on on this particular trip. And so the next morning, which was the day we wanted to do the hike, we were, I was worried that we wouldn't be able to get a permit uh, because they give out 75 individual permits per day. Right. It was a Saturday, so we we kind of were a little concerned that maybe locals could you know, run up there to the park anytime and during the week and reserve their permits for Saturday. But uh, it was the only day we could do it. Mm -hmm. We got there early. We got there before before, the visitor center, before the doors opened and got in line. We weren't, we tried to get there and be first in line because that's, (laughs) that's what we like to do. But there was a family in front of us and we, that was a little tense because family, it was a large family. Although, there is another rule. The, the maximum size of any group is 10 people. But the doors open and the ranger who was in charge of taking us all through the orientation just ushered us all into one big room. And he wasn't counting. Yeah. I mean, he. I, there must have been plenty of permits. So it, 
that that anxiety passed pretty quickly. Yeah. So the first thing we did was watch the this video that Matt mentioned, and you know it told us all kinds of good information. And the most important thing was how do you find your way through the maze at one? You know, you start at one point and you come out another, and how the heck do you make it through? So we found out what the the little secret is, and that is they have little white, tiny white arrows on some of the rocks as you make your way through. Now, I think the park debated for a long time about even whether or not to do this. And and I think they put those arrows in maybe 2017, 2018. It's not, it hasn't been that long and they're not big. They're, it's not no. like these big signs. Now, they're, and they're not very often either. The, yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot of them, but it's like a piece of plastic that is the same color as the rocks and they're epoxied to the side of the wall and the arrow itself is white and it's it's about, the arrows are about three inches long. They're not very big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they don't just like, it's, it's not like every hundred feet or so, mm-hmm. uh, but they did do that probably so that they didn't have to go rescue hikers oh yeah every day yeah <laughs> one of the other things that the film mentioned was you know the leave no trace principles um and most importantly in there and actually this is all throughout utah in the southwest um they talked about the soil crust which is the what is it cryptobiotic crust right which kind so, of sounded like like a superman movie isn't well that? the the areas that aren't well trodden by paths and you have to have paths that people walk on but there's it's clear where the areas that you don't have to walk and when the soil is undisturbed for long enough there's plant life in there there's bacteria in there that that hold the soil together provides nitrogen for the other plants prevents mm-hmm. erosion so there's there's a lot of good stuff that happens mm-hmm. even though it looks like well that's just you know open ground there you really need to stay off of it and that they emphasize that in in the video yeah and they showed uh, a person's shoe print in a particular area of crust and they they did mention that you know once a footprint crushes it not only does it kill the living organisms in there but it, that footprint stays there for a long long time so you know that was good to know because i have to say we had never had it explained to us like that right i i don't know if it was this particular park or i'm remembering something else but i did we have to like raise our right hand and swear to protect the crest or something like that anyway they they uh, they made they 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 made that part of it interesting Mm -hmm. they didn't overdo it but it's it's good to know oh it is good to know and then when the uh little film was over the ranger came in and the other thing that he stressed was uh, talking about going to the bathroom while you're in the fiery furnace yeah the the Basically, don't don't poop in the park. All right, do not poop in the park. And if you have to poop in the park, the visitor center sells these uh, disposal bags, the right. one-time use that you use, and then you seal it up and you carry it out with you. Yeah, ingenious. It's a little thing. It's yeah. it's wrapped it's a, up. It's, it's kind of two two bags. The one on the inside opens up pretty big. Um, has some chemicals in there to, uh, I think. Uh, hardens any any contents that goes in that bag and then you can like seal that back up and double bag it and 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 pack it out and it's so it's really nice to have and they're not 
very expensive. You can get them on Amazon too. But uh, yeah. so yeah, we uh, we bought those and <laughs> we bought the park. Yeah, they sold them there for like I think five bucks each. So I think we bought like a case full because it's great to have, right? Yes, I always now I always carry one mm-hmm. with me. Never had to use them, but it's no. good to have for sure. So when we were done, we filed back out and got in line to actually get the physical permit. And when it was our turn at the desk, the ranger, who he's the same one who had been talking to us, we saw on his name badge, his name was Matt Smith. I think, Matt, you are kind of coveting that badge. Yeah, I was going to offer to buy that from him. But as I have mentioned to you, Karen, many times that it's against the law to impersonate a federal officer. So (laughs) uh, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, he... He wasn't very talkative. I mean, he had to like write up permits for a whole bunch of people, so he was trying to get through them. But I wasn't going to slow him down by, you know, saying smartass. He got done with it. He looks up at us and he said, because he saw Matt and Karen Smith, he said, by the way, my wife really liked your book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was this really big surprise. surprise He said, yeah, she's a a ranger over at Canyonlands. and, And so that made us feel good. I wanted to now then he became my best friend and yeah. I wanted to talk to him for the rest of the day about that. But Karen I know, but we had a hike pulled, to get pulled to. me away <laughs> from there. I pulled you out. So we with permits in hand, we drove to the Fiery Furnace parking lot. It's about a half an hour drive from the visitor center. It is right off the main road though. Yeah, eighteen to twenty miles, something mm-hmm. like that, up the mm-hmm. up the switchbacks. It's a beautiful park road if you've never been there. But uh and the little fiery furnace parking area, there's no other reason to be there right? but to go on that hike. Mm-hmm. And there was a ranger there yeah. when, when we got there, and she was checking permits. I asked her if, if she catches many people trying to go in without a permit. She said, well, you know, not that often. She said, I do hike this often on my off days in just, you know, plain hiking clothes without my uniform on, and I... From time to time, see people in there. She did say that one of the things that they really have to prevent is people coming in there and doing unauthorized guided tours. Right. So that's where they're charging mm-hmm. a group and they go in. And of course, doing that without permits is a big no-no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that I think that happens from time to time. But generally, I think people are pretty respectful of the permit process. Yeah, I think so. And we were there on a November day, which we knew that they don't do the ranger-led tours in the fall and the winter. Again, I think it's May through September. So in May through September, they have 50 permits available for the guided tour and 75 available for self-guided. So there could be as many as 125 people in the fiery furnace on any given day. But we were there in November, and they don't do the guided tours then. So we knew there wouldn't be more than 75 people. And there were probably 75, and we never felt like it was crowded. Oh, no. We never felt like... We only saw a handful of other people Uh, once we started. Matter of fact, we we probably saw fewer people than we wanted to, even though most of the time when we do a hike, uh, we like to be by ourselves and just be out in nature. And Mm -hmm. there were times when (laughs) we were looking around for other people. It was kind of reassuring at some point. Yeah. So when we started in, we did recognize some of the landmarks, some of the... For about the first quarter mile. Yeah. Yeah. And we thought, oh, right, this is is the fiery furnace. And it was so exciting to be in there and a little nerve wracking, I have to tell you. But... um, Then we got lost right away. Oh, almost immediately we got lost. We couldn't find 
the arrow to save our life. And it's just weird. You wander around and you think because there are footprints in the sand everywhere. So we'd follow a set of footprints and all of a sudden we'd end up at a dead end. You know, there's a cliff wall there and we'd follow another set and we'd end up at a dead end. So we wandered around for quite a bit before we finally found that little white arrow. The trail is not like a trail you would have in an area with a lot of vegetation and deciduous trees where it's clear that the footpath is. And and sometimes the, the path, the, the route that you're supposed to take is over hard rock. So it's hard to tell the footprints. So we went down a few side canyons and eventually found our way. And partly because there were other people around and some had, had done it before. So we kind of followed people. And eventually we found our first arrow. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, kind of by accident. Then we understood how small they actually yeah. are. Well, it was kind of by default because we had tried every single other direction. <laughs> it was the only opportunity left for us. <laughs> yeah, and then there was a stretch where we were pretty clear. It, it was pretty clear where we were going. Mm-hmm. We were going the right direction because there was no other way to go. Mm-hmm. And we came to a few of these squeezes or hard, hard areas to get through where we had to climb up. And so in some cases the just the ground just goes away because the the walls come together to a wedge and there is no place to stand. You have to like mm-hmm. like we said crawl on the rocks and push against the rocks to get through. Mm-hmm. None of those squeezes are very long. No. But Matt got through one and then he turned around and took a video of me coming through it. So I had my back up against one of the walls and my feet on the other and, you know, walking sideways and sliding. And it was like the most awkward video I have ever seen, especially at the end. So it doesn't look like I'm very high off the ground at all. And finally, at the end, I say, I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump. And Matt says, don't jump. And I jumped and it's like a foot. And it yeah. was like just like so stupid. Yeah, it, it for some reason when you're up there, it's it's harder. Like it's way scarier I just said, when you're move up there. Your left foot, like how hard could that be? And it is harder than yeah. than it looks. It is, but we got sure. through it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we we were having a great time. We didn't like like I said before, we didn't see a lot of other hikers. Every now and then, we saw this one family that we kind of were together, then lost them and together again. But there was this one spot. <laughs> oh my gosh. That we got to. It, it turns out it, it's a hairpin turn is, is the route, uh, but we didn't figure that out until we went down the side canyon. And this time we got lost and we got like a quarter of a mile lost, not, not just, you know, 20 feet. Not only did we get lost, we realized we were lost. We hiked back to where we started. We got lost the same way like three different times. We kept going down. We well, were we, so confident that that, yeah, that was the right way. Right. We were so confident. It looked like it was the way. And the first time we did it, we hit a dead end because we were at a, the edge of a cliff with a steep drop off, but we could look down and see there was a lower way to get through. So we backtracked, hiked down to the lower level and went again. And again, it was not the right way. And we had to hike all the way back. So it was extremely frustrating because right. we were sure that had to be it. Yep. Usually, we're both stubborn people, and usually (laughs) we both have opposite opinions, and so the stubbornness of the two of us keeps us from going too far off because we're both arguing the other way. In in this case, we both were stubborn 
about the wrong thing at the at the same time. Yeah, and so and, uh, we spun for about an hour, and then th- then we realized that. Well, yeah, because what happened? There was a there was a it was I think the only place on the trail where there's a wooden sign, and it was like on a wooden stake, mm-hmm. and it had like fallen over, and I think somebody trying to be helpful like put it back up, but the arrow was pointing the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that kind of, but, yeah. but eventually there was some people, um, now we did, we didn't say this before, but the intended route for the fiery furnace is to go counterclockwise. That's the way the arrows are pointing. However, you don't have to do that. And some people who have done the hike before go clockwise. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's no, Right. wrong way to do it but eventually some other hikers were coming clockwise coming at us so they they knew the direction and they were able to tell us and point us in the right direction and that didn't take very long i mean we never like i don't remember being worried that we were getting lost matter of well, fact we even the, that other family we were so confident of the wrong way. We we talked them into going the wrong way with us. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of following us. They uh, wrongly assumed that we knew what we were doing, which we obviously didn't. My feeling was at that point when we seriously could not find our way, I thought, well, we could always backtrack and go all the way back to the beginning to get out. If we can't find our way forward, we'll just go back the way we came, which which is definitely an option. Yeah, you could do that. But luckily, as Matt said, at that point, some hikers came through. And what we didn't realize is at that kind of junction, you have to make this hairpin right. turn and pretty much double back. And anyway, we got back on the track after about probably an hour of yeah. wandering. And shortly after that, we got lost again. Right. <laughs> But we made it. the The entire route, as laid out, is one point seven miles, uh-huh. and we probably we probably ended up walking twice that distance. Yeah, yeah. So I just you know it's hard to explain how beautiful it is in there because there are giant slabs of rock everywhere. Some of them have fallen. There are boulders. There are arches scattered throughout the, these big fins that you walk on I mean it is just literally spectacular so I want to go back and do it again because after we did it and we've talked to some people you know I heard things like oh and did you get to that point where you crawl on your belly through the little opening and you come up and you're in this like magical grotto yeah <laughs> like not, no I don't do belly crawling I'm not- <laughs> Not even to get into a magical grotto? No. <laughs> even a magical one. Mm-hmm. If I'm on my belly, we're going the wrong way. <laughs> I don't do belly. I mean, the thing crawl. is, we were focused pretty much the whole time on looking for the next arrow and following the arrows because we wanted to get out alive. But next time, I feel like we would go down more dead ends and kind of see some of the things that maybe we we missed, you know, on right. that time. We would be... A little less anxious yes. about getting lost, mm-hmm. knowing that if we truly got lost, you'd be able to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And we we were we started out early enough in the day, and we had food and water with us. So if we got lost for five hours, so what? Yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll definitely be going back. Anyway, we finally made it back to the truck after about mm, I'd say three hours in there, maybe. Yeah, it was about three hours. Yeah. Yeah, and and relieved that uh, search and rescue didn't have to come in and look for us, especially 
especially Ranger Matt Smith. Right. Um, I could just see sending Matt Smith in there and him shaking his head. The, it, it did make us feel a little bit better because when they give you the permit, there's a part of it that you put on your dashboard. And so I think at the end of the day, they do a sweep. Uh-huh. And if there's cars in there with that, that stub on the dashboard, they know, okay, these people are still in there. We better go find them. And so I, I was relieved that, that there was an ultimate safety valve if we needed it. But I was also relieved when we came out that Matt Smith did not have to come rescue us. <laughs> it was a good day. Yeah, it was a great day. People write us and ask us, this is weird, we get a lot of requests for us to stay in people's basements. And it's not just as we travel. We travel around the country and they say, if you're ever in this area. But it's not just, hey, if you need a place to stay, you can stay at our house. It's always the basement. Yes, but I think it's sweet. It's I very know nice. You, because... We're never going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's sweet. I love it that they offer, and I would do it. You would? Yes. Okay, so uh, it's getting late. Karen, I'm going to the Hampton Inn. Karen, you, you just go down in the basement. And it's... <laughs> Well, yeah. Remember no, my book doing, idea? I'm that, not doing, no, oh, your book idea? Yeah, my book called idea. Strangers? No, it wasn't called Strangers. <laughs> Where we were going to travel to the national parks with people, strange people, that strange people we no. didn't know. Yes, my idea was because people write to us and they say, you know, I live right outside this particular park and I know it really well and I have a lot of great places I could show you. So we would go see the park with those people, stay in their home, and then write about it. I think it would be amazing. Right. The, the name, we we're going to title it Strangers. The name I thought of was in, let me think, I have to remember. Yeah, it's a good in title In your so own far. backyard, uh-huh. or in my own backyard. Which one? In your strangers. own backyard. In the strangers' <laughs> strangers. backyard. In the strangers' backyard. <laughs> not that the people are strange. It's just, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel comfortable staying in meeting somebody and five minutes later i'm like laying in their bed in the basement (laughs) with nanny cams all over the place (laughs) like it's not gonna happen all right well i'm gonna do it good you could do it but you you have to write your own book it'll be dear matt (laughs) dear matt they chained me to the tree again I'm in their backyard. They handcuffed me to the back porch. They said they would come back in a couple of days. <laughs> okay, stop. I'm not, uh, I'm not. We're not doing it. Okay. Just to all of you really nice people who've I'm written. I'm sure they're nice people. They are. And it was sweet. So I'm just saying shout out to all of you nice people who've written to us about that. I love it. And we are going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're def we're definitely going to do it. Yeah. Another question we get, what is it like to travel and work together 24 hours a day? Ooh. 7 days a week. That's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> this is a loaded question. <laughs> Wait, how long do what, we have? What's your <laughs> Can we can can this show be an hour? <laughs> what's your loaded answer? Well, it kind of depends on the day. The travel part of it 
always goes really well because we're out, you know, hiking and seeing the parks. And usually there's, we have no issues in the travel part. Do you have something to tell me? <laughs> what, what? I feel like there's a butt coming. It's okay, the, that's it's fine. The I just let the recorder go here. <laughs> Thank you for asking. It's the working at home part that can sometimes get a little dicey because I think uh, maybe we both get a little cranky, cooped up inside all day on our laptops, and then no, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty pleasant most of the time. And then the thing is, we both edit each other's work. And so sometimes there can be some disagreements. Well, wait, you telling me make this funnier is not an edit. <laughs> that's just, that's and you just never take airing that well. your disappointment is not editing. Those are two different things. So we made a pact when this you- is boring. Like, <laughs> all right, just go on to Amazon and leave, leave a review if that's what you think. Should I say you're mean to me? Oh, that, that'll that be my yeah, review. Yeah, I'm so mean to you. Yeah. Well, we made a pact when we wrote the first book that whoever is editing the other's work, what, what they say goes. So if they say what you just wrote is offensive to the general public, it has to come out, then it has to come I out. I remember agreeing to that. Yes. I think, yes. You, I think you suggested the pact. The pact is still on my desk. It and, hasn't been signed yet. <laughs> And the big part of the pact is the other person won't get their feelings hurt. So that that's the hard part. And that's um, the part of the pact that you didn't sign. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should. All right. This we is, have to, uh, clearly, we have to start this yeah, over. Uh, like, yeah, we don't. We <laughs> Working together is great. It's going really well. Yeah, it is going really well. For the most part, I'd say 90% of it goes really well. Wouldn't you? <laughs> There's silence. I was thinking about what what ninety percent was going well. Yeah, I'm sorry. What was the question? It's like, what is it like to travel and work together? Oh, what's it like? all the time? It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's it's my fantasy. It's a dream come true. Mm-hmm. If you have a question for us, you can send us an email to mattandkarensmith at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. Go to facebook.com slash dearbobbins or you can find us on Instagram at mattandkarensmith. We'll review all the questions that come in and we'll be answering some of them in our mailbag segment on future episodes. To see pictures from our trips to the fiery furnace, go to www.thedearbobbinsuepodcast.com and click on the title for episode three. There you'll find the show notes for this episode and links to other information. A ton of you have already given us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, and we cannot thank you enough for that. Matt and I really enjoy reading your sweet messages. Please keep it up. It really helps more people find our show. You can also subscribe to our show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you have a moment, please consider sending this episode to a friend. The books that this podcast is based on are available on Amazon.com. Just search for Dear Bob and Sue. And you can also find more information about us by heading over to www.dearbobandsue.com. Our show is produced by the team at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon, who has their work cut out for them every week trying to make us sound coherent. Our artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects, and our theme music is by Will West. 
From here on out, we'll be publishing episodes every other Thursday. So we'll be back with you on February 20th. Until then, I'm Karen Smith, here with Matt Smith, who is not a ranger at Arches National Park. Not yet. Maybe someday. (laughs) Ranger Matt Smith, if you're listening to this, thanks for making our day. Happy trails, everyone. Here's to getting lost. Thank you.